Welcome to Opto Sessions, where we interview the brightest minds from the stock market, uncovering their secrets to success. If you're looking for ideas, tips and techniques from the world's best, you're in the right place. Hi everyone, I'm Ed Gotham and this is another episode of Opto Sessions. I'll be interviewing the highly esteemed 50 Pips, a trader with a gift for analysing price action. We'll be talking about how to find the major levels or zones, as 50 likes to call it, to watch when analysing charts. You'll also discover how to read price action to get a better feel for direction in the markets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Opto Sessions. Today we have the exciting opportunity to talk to 50 Pips, an anonymous forex trader not to be confused with a notorious rapper. 50 is highly respected in the trading ecosystem and someone I've personally followed for a long time. Why his unbiased approach to assessing asymmetric opportunities in the market is, is second to none. Uh, welcome, 50. Hello, thank you very much and uh, thank you for following. <laughs> okay. Um, I just wanted to start with um, where did your name, 50 Pips, come from originally? Well, um, it's actually so long, I can't really remember the thought process behind it and as these things uh back into the day i think i've been on twitter for over 10 years it's not something you put too much thought in but i think it, to start with it was a, as you can guess a play on words with uh 50 cents and uh and then it slowly morphed into i was um i was calling uh, my trades live all my trades live on twitter trying to, because the markets were moving quite a lot back then we we're talking about 208 209 and um, so I was trying to call my trades live and seeing if I could uh, um, bank 50 pips a day or something like that. But I, I soon realized it was a very stupid idea because uh, um, it was not very smart because then people follow you and it's not really sending the right message. And then, um, you know, people who, who shouldn't be trading are following your calls and they don't know what they're doing. So I, I quickly stopped that. But I think originally it's pretty much a play on on, on 50 cents. Okay, brilliant. And um, in terms of your logo as well, it's uh, it's quite uh, recognizable. Where's where's that sort of come from? What does it rep represent? Well, basically, the uh, the logo is an Enzo, which is basically uh, you know it, it it represent. Well, I mean, you can uh, uh, you can talk about it in a lot of different ways, but it's it's uh, basically it represents the constant uh, pursuit of perfection or always trying to uh, better yourself, but always kind of like uh, on the spot without having prepared it. You know, you're practicing the same thing. You're, you're trying to draw the same thing every day. And then, you know, there's different ways. Ways Some people will draw an Enzo closed, right? A complete circle, mm -hmm. you might see it. And then there's some people who think that it can never be closed because you can never close the ring. You call it ring of life, whatever you want, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, basically, it's, uh, you know, it symbolizes uh, everything from, you know, strength, elegance, uh, some people, it symbolizes the, the, the universe, but it's, uh, it's one of those minimalist uh, Japanese aesthetics kind of um, representations. But I, I, to me, it really applies to me because it's, it's the whole um, Zen feeling about, you know, not only the Zen way of life and the Zen way of looking at things, but also 
the uh, constant pursuit of something perfect, but that you'll never achieve the perfect mm -hmm. ring, right? And this is how you basically your, your approach to trading. That's basically my by. approach to life. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's <laughs> basically uh, yeah encompasses everything. Okay. <laughs> I get very obsessed about about things, but I'm I'm uh, I'm somebody who really likes the the process. I really enjoy the process mm -hmm. of getting better at something, or you know, somebody who's very curious about anything. But so I'm I really like the, that process. Brilliant. And something that a lot of people know you like uh, well for is your sort of analysis of these opportunities in the market um, and of price action specifically. And as a, as a guiding principle, you, you talk about being a student of price action and asymmetric returns. Um, could you explain a little bit about what you mean by this? Well, we always say about like a humble student of price action because price is really all you need to know, right? If you boil things down to the essence, you know, price is, price is pure, price is always perfect for that specific moment in time. And, and that's all you need. Um, I think people spend far too little time trying to understand what price is telling you um, and spend far too much time trying to work on everything else, right? If anything, um, you know, whether indicators um, can, can add layers of granularity on whatever you're trying to do. But it, it's amazing how many people that maybe say, oh, I've been trading for five years, whatever, I know what I'm doing. And then you ask them, to, can you talk me through uh, a naked chart, right? What is price trying to do there? Uh, what is price trying to do relative to where it was before? Where is, what is price trying to do that relative to the time of the day? What is price trying to do there relative to um, uh, the different sessions around the world, et cetera? And, and people miss a lot of stuff. So it's like everybody spends a lot of time trying to find the best moving average, the best indicator, the best, the secret weapon, mm. right? And all they really need is right in front of them, a blank chart. And of course you can always add to it, right? But if you if you don't really understand what you're looking at, uh, everything else is is far harder. And if you do, you know, it makes everything else far, far easier. So so I think, you know, price is really all you need. And, you know, and a lot of the stuff I do or the charts I post, um, you'll see I have moving averages or stuff on, or I might draw a channel. Usually that's just something to try and explain or convey a message or uh, to somebody uh, or point them in the right direction. But if it were for me, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't have a lot of those things up on the charts, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the asymmetric returns part, uh, is that related to at one time you can only either go long or short or and then well, the the asymmetry is just it's if i can um if i can make m more when i win than i lose when i lose i don't even have to be right 50% of the time right it mm -hmm. could just be a coin toss but if 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 when i'm winning i'm winning more than when i'm losing you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a far it's a far easier proposition. Now, that doesn't mean that negative RR trades are not interesting. They are, but uh, they can be. But in my opinion, it's it's a much harder way to um, to build a long term track record. Right now, um, a lot of the um, 
newer traders maybe get attracted to the, you know, you, they want to be right and they think, oh, I've got something that wins 90% of the time, 95 But it's very hard to keep that kind of win rate. And usually, at least from experience, the only people that really have that kind of win rate or boast about that kind of win rate are people who, you know, they, you know, eat like a bird, poop like an elephant. And, you know, you're, you're making, you're banking, but here, here, here. And then, but you're not really that disciplined. And then one time you lose, you lose, you know, a month or, or, or a week's worth of, uh, of pips, right? Yeah. It's just not, it just doesn't work that way, at least for me. And it's much harder to be, you know, right 90% of the time than, than it is 40% of the time. Now, I think there's a, um, a, a, a sweet spot in the middle, as I said, both um, um, asymmetric plays and inverse RR plays are interesting. But on balance, I'm uh, I'm a lot more partial to looking for asymmetric opportunities. That's the way I think. That's the way I I, I approach things. And um, when you're looking at charts to sort of like determine the current state of play um so for example if just say when you were, you wanted to start looking at the sp 500 or nasdaq or something and you want to try and assess the current state of play in terms of the price action and time frames do you come from like a, a sort of more macro view to go more micro or how do you approach analyzing the levels is it do you look at weekly charts first monthly well, that's um, a, a tricky and misleading. Well, my answer would be misleading because the easiest thing, that's what everybody wants to know. And the usual answer is, oh, I start with the weekly charts and then I drill down to the daily, then the four hour, then the one hour, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. um, the reality is that I mainly look, I mean, during the day, I, I mainly look at one hour charts. Then I may look at the four hour closes and then I'll, I'll see the, the daily closes too. But the reality for me, or I, I suspect like most traders, but uh, for somebody who does it full time is I'm watching these 24 seven pretty much. So it's, I don't need to do a top down approach of what's going on with the ES because I'm for the past, I don't know, 20, 30, I've been looking at it every single day. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of. So if, if it's a chart I never look at, like somebody asked me, what do you think of some exotic currency pair? Then I'll probably pull up the weekly and then go down to the daily yep. to get to frame okay, it okay. where it is, because it's something where I have no idea where it's been. Right. I just I need to have some kind of context. So yeah, I'll yeah, start yeah, with the weekly. But for the chart, for most of the charts, most of the major markets, which I follow, I, I mean, I'll be on the one hour chart. Then at the end of the day. You know, I might check the daily, but I, I'll instinctively know what the daily is going to look like because, you know, I'm looking at it all day. You know, I know where it opened. I know where it's closed. So, yeah. So that's um, that's the way I approach it. And so I'm just, this sort of segues into um, some questions about support and resistance levels. Um, if are you choosing the, the major support and resistance levels, are they sort of form more around the daily weekly levels on like the daily weekly charts and then you'll trade based on the hourly indicators on those levels or i i um that's what most people will say or i guess the books say my view is slightly different is um 
you know, I don't subscribe usually to that. Oh, you find the bigger picture, you drop the levels, and then you drop down to a smaller time frame to mm-hmm. to find the perfect entry. Um, to me, that that kind of smells a lot like you know the books or the blogs, but uh, not not reality. Uh, at least not the reality I know. Um, so, um, what was the question again? Sorry, what do, do... it was. It was just about um, so you get. You, oh, how do I draw the support or resistance? Sorry. Yeah, it's just like where where do you, are they indicated by yeah. you know the closes on a daily on the daily charts? Yeah. Uh, so so to me, right the 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 what most the the key support or resistance levels, as crazy as this may sound, will be the same no matter what time frame you're looking at, right? Yeah, yeah. So what a lot of newbies do is they'll go on the weekly, they'll draw the support or resistance because they've seen some blog do it, right? Then they go on the daily, they draw it, then they go on the four hour, then they go on the one hour, then they go on the 30 minute. And then by the time they're on the minute, there's a line every two two millimeters, yeah. right? So what are you going to do? The point is you will see that the key levels, the key, 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 broad because we're talking about trying to get a bigger picture and not a specific trade uh, strategy, right? The key levels will be apparent. So you'll see, uh, like now, for example, you know, you've got the 50 back of the big move off all-time highs uh, on the ES or on they will tie, they will match up with some key moving averages, right? They may match up with some kind of channel. They may match up with some other indicators. You know, the real important levels, they'll they'll be apparent no matter what you're using. And some yeah. people might like to use more indicators, more things to give themselves a little bit more conviction on the trade. But you know, the key levels, they'll be, they'll be uh, um, they'll be apparent, right? They'll be apparent. So, but to give you some kind of an answer, you know, the key levels I'll, I'll be focused on, of course, are swing highs and swing lows on the bigger time frames. Then major uh, fib moves. It, it might be on a daily on on a two uh, at a big moving average that hasn't been tested for a long time, right? You know, the two hundred or something like that. Uh, on a more tactical basis, uh, the ten-day moving average, right? It could be a, a number of things. Yeah. But the key levels will be apparent. You know that ten-day move, that ten-day moving average will be apparent probably on on a one-hour chart or a weekly. You know, the it's all math, so the level will be the same across pretty if it's a big level across most time frames. Yeah. Okay. Um, and something that I find uh, quite interesting or different. Um, in the way you approach resistance and support levels sometimes is you give sort of like a range where you're looking for some sort of reaction in this level or you know something's going to happen uh, rather than a lot of people is, uh, tend to say like there's this very specific you know to the to the point level that something either happens or doesn't uh, or, or you know or, or it's not it's not it's not true the sort of um, reaction to that level um would you say that's 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 the way you sort of approach these support and resistance sort of areas? Uh, I'll look at it. There's there's there's. I think um, a lot of people like to have kind of like one one solution fits all, right? And I'm very fluid, right? Come back to that Japanese thing, the fluid in the way I think about it. There, there will be certain markets or certain contexts where it's all about a precise horizontal level, right? It may be hold above, hold below. That's the key point, right? Whether it's an all-time swing high, it's a key level we're approaching on, on a big down day or a big uptake or whatever. 
Um, but most often, you know, it, it's about zones or reactions in areas, right? So I don't have a specific um, preference for one or for anything. I always let the market dictate. So if it's a, a zone where it's really key level is is important, then I'll focus on it has to be that level because it's important. But most often it's zone. But also I don't believe in that level to the pip or that level to the tick. It's always about action around that level. So you'll see I talk a lot about yeah. bull bear line, hold yeah. above, hold below. It's about that reaction around the level, not necessarily pinpointing uh, the level specifically. Um, I think anybody who's done this for for a long time knows that there's no real certainty. There's no magical level. It's and the context is always slightly different. So it's about identifying the zones or the levels, and then and then being a little bit flexible in your approach around them. Yeah. And in terms of um, resistance levels or support levels, if if the mark say a market's coming down to a support level. The more times it sort of reacts off that support, would you say it's getting stronger or is that support becoming weaker because it's being tested a few times? Um, I, I think you can probably get eloquent answers on both ways, I, I guess. I don't know. The way I look at it is that, first of all, as long as the level holds, it holds, right? Yeah. So I'm not too, oh, it's getting... Uh, tested, it, it, it has, to, and it's, it's, it's getting front run, so it has to hold. Oh, it's getting pierced a lot, so it has to break. My, of course, there, depending on the context, there's more probability of things trying to play out one way or the other if you look back at history, but it's never certain. But the way I look at it, what I've always been explaining for, for years, right? It's always, it's kind of like, think about it, um, I think about it like a wave hitting a wall, right? So maybe it might be a castle on the side of the of the sea yeah. or some, you know, it, it's that wave is hitting that wall, it's hitting that wall. And as long as it holds, it holds. Of course, nobody can argue that that wall is getting stronger with each impact, right? It's, it's, it's getting, my belief is, is it, it's getting weaker, but does that necessarily mean it has to break? No, not necessarily, but to me, the 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 more it gets tested, the the more I would I'd expect it I would expect it to become weaker, and the more I would expect the market to want to probe below it. But okay. what's more interesting to me, it's not if the levels necessarily break; it's if we hold below, right? How we how do we trade once we break the levels? That's a lot more interesting to me. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and then you use a lot of Fibonacci levels uh, in your analysis as well, and um, a lot of people might not have um, properly used them in terms of their trading before, but and which, which sort of levels in terms of the um, Fibonacci retracement sort of uh, do you look at as the most powerful ones for a reaction? Well, the, the level I look at the most uh, is the 50 back, which is not a, a Fib number. It's not in the Fibonacci sequence, so it's not even a Fib number, right? But um, the level I look at most is, is in terms of retracements is the 50, 61.8 zone and occasionally the 78.6. And in terms of extensions, primarily I'll look at the 123 and sometimes the 151, 161.8 zone. But really the, the, the main ones are, are 50, 61, and then the 123 extension. Now, what I always say is, and people who've been following me for a long time uh, may remember, I, I used to post 
an awful lot of fibs, right? A pretty much majority, I'd say 90% of what I was put maybe like back 208, 209 were fibs. Um, that's not because I, I love fibs or they're magical. And it's not that I don't post them that much now because they're not. It's just that the market's changed, right? So I, I am fluid and I, I change with the market and I, and I use what the market is, is respecting, right? So here we're getting a lot less fib moves, especially intraday moves. So I'm using them less, but the fibs are nothing magical. It's just the way to have a horizontal standardized way of having support resistances, especially if you can draw them properly, if you don't just fib any micro move. And um, all the FIB numbers, whether it's 23, 38, 50, they all, they're all supported resistances. It just depends how you want to use them. You know, some people will swear by the 23 or the 30, whatever, and they'll trade that. Some people swear by the 61.8, mm -hmm. you know, uh, harmonic trades where it's be a lot more focused on the 78.6. So there's no right or wrong. It's just the way to help you frame price action and give you some horizontal um, support and resistances zone. And then different people will trade them in very different ways, right? So there's no real right right or wrong. And they're not magical numbers. It's whatever works for you. But like most things in terms of indicators, you'll never see me trying to say, oh, I've got a magical FIB number, right? That nobody yeah. knows. Or I found a specific moving average uh, 57.2, whatever, right? Or I've got this specific, if I use an indicator, I'll always use the indicator, which I think the most eyeballs will be watching or the most systems or more will be programmed against, right? I'm not interested in finding the magical number. There's no magic stuff. What I want to know is if the, so again, to answer your question, the 50 back, right? I think that's the most interesting. Yeah. And you sort of touched on this um, with your answer as well, but and these levels work basically because a lot of other traders or uh, investors, I suppose, are looking at these levels as well. Is that what would you say? Like every, like all technical analysis, right? Does it work because it's magical, right? Or does it work simply because it's math and there are enough people looking at it and there are enough uh, programs, there's enough code programmed around them, right? Mm. Probably the latter. In terms of the 50 back, it's it's also a very psychological um, number, and it also goes back to a way a lot of the floor traders used to trade. You know, it back in the day. You know, instinctively, you know, fifty back, or when I'm, you know, fifty fifty percent moves either way. We're just an easy way to remember to, you know, take some off, do something. It's just there's also psychology involved there. But again, I think most of the technical analysis, I, I don't think it's there's any magic. There's just enough people are looking at it and enough people believe and enough code is written around them, right? Yep. And you said um, you look at them a little bit less now because are you, are you seeing that they have slightly less of a response to, uh, as, as they used to? Well, the market's being front run by by headlines all the time. It's just getting whacked, smacked, smacked around by headlines a lot, right? Yeah. So um, on the bigger levels, no, but on the smaller time frames, you know, it's um, a lot of these indicators are, are, are usual, things you would use a lot more in traditional markets make uh, are less interesting or are less useful, mm -hmm. I find, especially on the shorter time frames. And the headlines, are you talking about the last sort of like, you know, three weeks, that sort of recent, or, or is it longer than that? that you well, you can it? talk since since Trump got elected, right? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're always <laughs> only a tweet away from from uh, from God knows what, right? Yeah. So that's, uh, 
Um, but but also, you know, since the really the the uh, we've been uh, trading with a Fed put, you know, uh, it's been really uh, one directional market mostly, mm-hmm. right? So it's you don't have that same kind of two sided action or ebb and flow you may have had before, right? So yep. you have to adapt. And you've also mentioned uh, quite a few times is these sort of psychological levels, um, you know, like large round numbers like one thousand. Um, is this a similar sort of thing that people just see them as important levels and therefore trade around them and, and therefore they work? Yeah, and there, there, there are a lot of people, psychological levels. There are um, a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of code written around that, right? There'll be, uh, whether it's uh, buy stops or sell stops, if we break the levels, uh, also because there are going to be a lot of, because it's psychological level, there might be a lot of stops around the level. So, you know, markets tend to be attracted to those levels. So again, what's a lot more interesting there is not only to see the defense on first approach, but how we trade afterwards, right? But, you know, it's yeah. similar to, to this earlier discussion, yeah. And how, how powerful, those levels can be quite powerful then. You can see a lot of action around these. Uh, yeah, I mean, depending on the context, right? It, depending on the context, uh, sure, sure, they can be they, okay. they can be interesting. But you know, you have it's always the same thing. There's nothing magical. Uh, there's only there are a number of things which tend to work or have worked or can or or have a t- tendency of working. But the context is key, right? So nothing, the same thing will not work consistently. At um, at prime time when there's London and U.S. flows crossing over, than when it's the middle of the twilight zone after New York is closed before Asia opens, right? For example, yep. so uh, the same thing will not happen if you're in the middle of a news release, if you're in the middle of a default or whatever. So you always have to put the lay over that layer of context on top of it and and filter through that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um- Actually, this, yeah, something that, that's quite an interesting point is that wh- when do you see the biggest uh, out? A lot of uh, the people on this will follow um, stocks indices a lot, maybe a little less on the FX side. But when do you see the most activity typically in the market um, during the day for, for indices? Well, I mean, you have to be at the open of the close, right? Yeah. So, so. Uh... Is, that, is that just because people are positioning for, for the day or? That's where the most volume goes through. That's where the most yep. institutional flows go go through, right? Okay, so okay. it doesn't mean there are, there aren't opportunities around there. But and again, it, it, as a retail trader, right? Especially if you're swinging one one or two lots, it doesn't make that much of a difference. You know, a lot of people kind of obsess about that. Clearly, that's when you'll get the most uh, opportunity. But you know, it's not like you're going to have a problem getting filled on a one lot any other time during the mm-hmm. day, right? Um, and again, recently, uh, Asia markets have been fairly inter- well, not interesting, but fairly predictable because you know once uh, once the BOJ's in town, you know we get the stick save or the or the pump. So you know there have been a lot of low liquidity times, which usually would have not been that interesting, are quite interesting to trade, especially if you're a, a retail trader trading smaller size. You know you don't have that much problem getting filled on your trades and stuff. Yeah. So. Um, I think, as always, the 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 trick, or well, not the trick, but the tricky thing in this business is a lot of newer traders always want to know, um, have questions like, what is the best time to trade? What is the best 
instrument I should trade? Uh, what is the best strategy? What is the best indicator? And I'm always boring because since the beginning, I've always said the answer is always it depends, right? It, it, it could be different for everybody. That's why it's so interesting. But it depends, you know, what time of day it is, um, what kind of risk reward you're looking for, uh, what kind of trader are you, um, how much size are you trying to put through, you know, because sometimes just depending on your size or what you're trying to do, there's only certain things, strategy you can trade. There's only certain times of day you can trade, right? Yeah. So it's always depends. It depends. But but uh, especially because of the way things are moving, for me, the most interesting have has clearly been the last hour, right, mm -hmm. recently. And, and, you know, to a certain extent, the 10, 11 a.m. New York window. Right. But um, there's been there's been, you know, once you're going, you're coming off uh of the VIX at 80, you know, and now, you know, VIX smash, okay, we're still in the 30, you know, pretty much 38, 40, whatever. Um, yeah. There's opportunity, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot more opportunity than it was when I still remember when, you know, we're hanging around and the yes was putting in, you know, five, seven, eight points, nine points was, was a big, big day, you know, <laughs> uh, kind of thing. So th there's plenty of opportunity now. Mm. And moving on to moving averages. Um, which ones do, do you use to help in your decision making? Um, again, I'm fairly uh, the ones most people use, right? So I'll be, uh, I will rarely have a, well, no, I won't have a moving average on something that's not a daily or a weekly, right? Mm. Uh, and what I have is the standard on all my charts I post is predominantly the, uh, the 50, the, um, the 100, the 200 SMA simple. And sometimes I'll throw in uh, for more tactical or depending where we are, the 10 day, you know, and some people okay. will prefer looking at the 55 or the 55 EMA. And some people want to have the 20, 50, uh, 100, you know, whatever works for you. I think to yeah. me, for the way I trade or the way I look at them, um, you know, I'm 50, 100 and 200 are more than enough. And the, how, how powerful are these in respect to, I mean, obviously, Again, it's difficult difficult to say, but um, in relation to, say, Fibonacci levels or other levels of support and resistance, how powerful is a 50 SMA or is the 200 more powerful than a 50? Uh, again, it depends what you're trying to do, what kind of trades you're trying to structure around, what you're doing, right? So um, are you looking at it to give you um, a market timing signal, right? Are you just on a... Uh, try. Are you using it for some kind of uh, uh, a long-only ETF portfolio that you're going to be all in SPY and then cash or into bonds, and you just need it as a timing tool? Then you you might just have the 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 ten uh, ten MMA or the two hundred, right? Um, are you using it because you're trying to um, scalp touches? at the levels or daily closes around the levels, then you probably want to have a few of them on, right? Yep. Are, are you using that to give you an idea of trend? Then, you know, you probably um, you probably prefer to have the moving app. You know, it, it really depends. There's no, um, okay. there's no right or wrong, but I don't, um, I won't per se, I'm not necessarily using them to trade, right? I'll use them to try to explain what's going on or highlight something to people. But, you know, 99% of the time, there has to be some kind of confluence. There's not my core, 
core the core of what I do is not, okay. not really um, obsessed about the moving averages. Yep. Okay. So it helps support decision making sometimes, but you don't. To me, really, it helps me explain moves more. If I'm trying okay. to post a chart on Twitter or doing a webinar, it will it will it will help me uh, explain something. Right. It will help me explain either the trend or if we break this level, this is likely where we're going to go because this level is likely going to uh, is likely going to attract. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that I would necessarily be focusing on too much. Like, for example, now it, the ES is broken uh, above the 50 back of the of the move from all time highs. Right. And you're going to have, you know, you've got the 50 coming, the 50 moving average, et cetera. But to the upside, really, the next big level to me is that whole gap fill zone, which is, you know, closer to the 3,000, right? And then you've got the 3,000, which is a psychological mark because in, um, in 2019, we failed there a lot, right? So yeah. for me, you know, the break a daily closes above the 50 is going to mean I expect this to continue to squeeze higher, right? And 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 rip people's faces off to the upside yeah. all the way until that zone. And then I'll be looking for a reversal, right? But if I weren't trying to explain this, I I wouldn't even have the 200 on, on the chart really, because I'd be focusing on that, on the line I have on the chart, which, yeah. you know, I have 2940 and 3000. That's the zone I'm waiting for. Then it happens to coincide with a, with a moving average. And, but... I think, but that's also because I've been doing it for so long. I, I, I know that, you know, the levels I'm drawing are going to line up with something else. So I might check at the end of the day, but I wouldn't have it up during the day. I'm not obsessed about it, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and also something that uh, appears frequently is a candlesticks and their sort of how they close um, is are like bearish or, or bullish indicators. Are, are there any sort of like um, patterns that are the strongest sort of indicators for you? Or again, is this looking into it a bit too much? Well, I know I think this. I'm far more interested in candles than than the moving average, right? So, I mean, a lot of people will be looking at different patterns. Um, you know, um, you know the whole Bukowski. You know, the 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 looking at all kinds of multiple. Uh, candle patterns, et cetera, right? Whether it's an, an engulfing, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever it can be, you know, gravestone, doji, whatever. What I'm a lot more interested, what I'm interested in, 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 the, in, in, the, in the candles is basically is just that what the, the wicks are showing you is they're, they're a really good, easy way to glance at the chart or whatever to get a feeling for exhaustion, right? It, especially on the higher time frames. Now, on the smaller ones too. Now, if you're looking at it all all, all day, all the time, you know you know what the candle is going to close like. You know, I know what the daily candle looks. I say I've got a one-hour chart mm -hmm. in front of me of the ES. I know what the daily candle looks like. I don't need to switch on a daily time frame, right? Yeah. But what is interesting, I think, especially for um, newer traders, is is what those wicks do and i think that's probably the, the most important signal is to show you when you have exhaustion or big rejection at key levels right mm -hmm. and i think that's for especially for a newer trader that's probably the easiest way to get to to re learn to read price action and learn to read 
defense, exhaustion, acceleration through supported resistances by looking at the high-low close and especially the, the, the wick, right? Yeah. And, and what that candle is telling you in relation to what is price trying to do, right? A lot of people look at candles for a long time and, and they don't really know what they're telling them, you know, but, but it, you could get so much information just by looking at a specific candle, you know, where did it open? Where did it close? What was it trying to do? Uh, how good a job did it do of doing that? If it broke a level, what, you know, and what, how's that in relation to the past uh, two candles, three candles, 10 candles, 20 candles, you know, which is 10 day, 20 day trading range, et cetera. There's just yeah. so much information, right? That a lot of it, you can also, um, program that or or have an indicator tell you that but if you learn to to get to to, to extract that just by looking at the naked chart you're going to be so much more um so much more confident in in what you're trying to do because you really understand what's going on underneath the surface mm -hmm. right and it, in terms of like how the candles close like a daily close above a certain level um or or break through say a, a key level for you are those are those strong indicators as well? So you'd look for those for a signal for further positive or negative move, whatever, however it's closed. Yeah, it's always price telling you how good of a job it's doing at trading through a level or not, right? Or how how much how how much support or resistance there is at that specific level. So I think in terms of signals, the 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 highest thought candles or at least the ones I prefer are you know. Uh, big exhaustions at lows and then, you know, long wick uh, to the downside and then a positive close, right? Some people mm -hmm. also like pure dojis or even if it's a negative close at lows, but with a huge wick, they still love those. I think the strongest signals for me are, you know, that that positive close at low with a clear exhaustion below or a negative close at high with a clear exhaustion to the upside. Those to me are the, the most okay. interesting ones, right? And when you're... Um analyzing um instruments such as uh yes do you do you ever look at other instruments such as um the king us dollar they like to call it to influence sort of your no no I, i'll look at i'll look at i look at and i and i strongly suggest this to any newer trader you know you can always get more granular you can always get more fancy but if you're starting off just do yourself a favor and focus on each chart individually and nine times out of 10, it'll save you a lot of money. But, um, you know, if, if I'm trading ES, I'll be trading the, uh, I'm trading the, the levels on the ES. If I'm trading Euro, I'll be, I'm not, I'm not too, if I'm trading crude, I'll be, uh, I'll, you know, of course, I'll be aware of, of what's going on, right? Or mm -hmm. if, if I know there's something specific going, because, you know, if I see all my charts, the the dollar is getting smashed across the board, right? Well, of course, that's something which instinctively it's in the back of my mind, but I'll be trading each chart independently. So have you got, um, you've got multiple screens up with diff these different charts on to give you the picture of the market moving? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, okay. Um, and I listened to uh, your, your recent uh, webinar um, which is really good, by the way. Um, Thank and you. What was interesting was um, you don't often include a lot, sort of some fund the fundamentals that might be in the market, such as um, the Fed and the latest sort of quantitative easing thing. But it, it seems to have um, 
but in your sort of decision making recently, uh, especially with, in, in equity markets, do you, how often do you sort of try include things like this? Um, and when are they, when do they become more important to you as well as the charts? When you have to, okay. <laughs> right? So I mean, you know, it's like what is um, Benjamin Graham used to say, right? So market in the short term is a voting short run is a voting machine, but in the long term it's a weighing machine, right? So I think especially for newer traders, they'd be much better off just focusing on the technicals and what's in front of them and what price is telling them, right? Mm -hmm. They have a lot more edge there because essentially, even with a professional trader, you're pretty much competing equally, right? Okay, not exactly, but still, you know, you've got the same chart, the indicators are the same for everybody, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas on fundamentals, you know, you've got people far smarter than you or people with teams of 50 people far smarter than you, or you've got people with uh, hundreds of millions of dollars with computers far smarter than you trying to understand what's going on uh, with a fundamental. So chances are it's hard for a retail trader, mm -hmm. especially somebody who hasn't studied this stuff and got a lot of experience to have edged that that way. So I, I would always recommend to um, to to just, especially for newer traders, just to focus on each chart individually. In terms of fundamentals, I mean, you could also argue that fundamentals are dead because what's the point of any fundamentals when the Fed is just going to come in and buy up everything when the Fed's going to come in and buy HYG or JNK, right? Yeah. Who cares, right? So you could be as smart as you want. You can spend all your day on Twitter or writing 20-page blog posts on why this is wrong and why the market is going to roll over because of this. But if the Fed comes out and says, hey, suckers, I'm going to buy everything under the sun, you close your eyes and you buy, right? You're not going to sell it because the, you see what I mean? So, mm -hmm. and so last thing you want to be is, is the guy who's been on Twitter or writing blog posts since 208 about how unfair it is that the friend, Fed is printing money and bailing everybody out because, okay, but then you should be a ju social justice warrior. You shouldn't be a trader. If you, you're here, objectively, you're here to make money, right? So for me, I always have the, well, I'm, I can have a very strong view because unfortunately I have a view and, you know, uh, I like this stuff. So I have a view, but I don't let the view really uh, stop me from trading either way. Right. Yep. But to answer your question more precisely, when does that factor into me is when I have to, when I mm -hmm. don't want to get run over. Right. So to give you a, a more concrete example. Um, uh, on the when we were pressing back down into that 2400 on the ES, right? And we've got Fed comes in and they start, you know, the Fed says, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Then you have all the central banks starting to do. Uh, you you got to be careful because, you know, you know, no matter how bearish you are, your market's been down like 20% or something. The risk reward now is is skewed the opposite way, right? So it's not budging. Okay, you might have some more to the downside, but you know these guys are going to keep on th throwing whatever they want at it, right? So you could kind of be excused for still trying to press this downside a little bit at 2,400. But mm -hmm. no ma matter how bearish you are, when we clip that, that 2,250, 2,200, and they're throwing everything and the kitchen sink at it, and you are not long, you got a problem, right? Your account's got a problem, but you're not paying attention. So you have to, in my opinion, is always focus on the charts because that's what's what's key. And at the end of the day, uh, 
see, because following the fundamentals, first of all, it implies that you have the mental capacity or unbiased enough to understand what they are and, mm. and, and, and take the message in without your bias. And second of all, you have to deal with that when you're training. Whereas it's the same thing. I could say, well, the Fed and everybody started throwing whatever they, they, they had uh, added starting on a break below that 2,400. I don't want to be short. Well, I could have my, 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 my Twitter off, uh, not read anything at all. And I just need to look at the chart. Look at what did price do? It could not attract new sellers at lows. We closed back above that ascending trend line. We closed back above that 2400 and and every single dip. And I kept on saying this on Twitter too, you know, every single dip. Guys, don't listen. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to the Fed. Just look at what price is doing on the defense of that 2400 and that 10 day moving average when it's coming down. You had like five, six days in a row that every time it went below, bam, they couldn't attract new sellers and it closed above. Yeah. So it's a long, it's it's a flat or it's a long, it's not a short, right? So um, again, it, it it's hard because as traders, you know, I'll be the first one to say, if I'm in front of this stuff like 24 seven pretty much, I could not possibly do this if I was not seriously interested and a junkie, right? Mm -hmm. So, but as a trader, I have to detach that away from that, right? I have to detach from that and just focus on price. And bottom line is I think if you just look at price, you're making it easier. If you try to let those fundamentals and bias and everything creep in, you're making it harder than it should be. Most often, put it this way, it would be very hard for you to trade if you were not, if you didn't understand price or you couldn't look at price and but just had all the fundamentals or whatever but it's mm -hmm. fairly easy to trade if you just had a naked chart and no access to news or anything else mm -hmm. right yep it's easier and uh, i was going to move on now into some sort more sort of like trading strategy uh, sort of questions um in terms of your daily routine do you, do you have any way that you sort of prepare mentally in the mornings? Um, I know a lot of people have this, you know, like people get ready for war, et cetera, and all this glamorous thing of a trader, but not really. You know, I'm a creature of habit, I think, like most traders, and I have the same routine, but it's not like I need to necessarily prepare because I'm I'm doing this 24-7 pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. So if anything, my preparation is on Sunday because something may happen that I'm, I haven't been following because I'm not in front of the screen Saturday and Sunday. So before the open on, 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 on Sunday, when I send out my weekly Outlook video, you know, I'll catch up on the weekend news. I'll listen to stuff, podcasts, whatever over the weekend. And that's where I, I, I prepare if you want, right? Mm -hmm. If not, then every day starting Sunday night where the market's open, I'm pretty much always watching it. So it's just, it's business, you know, it's just, I'm going to work. It's not like somebody who who codes or somebody who, who works marketing or something is like, does, do they ever get asked, do you have a specific routine you do? You see what I mean? Yep. It, you just go to work. Now, in for me, it's, again, I'm a creature of habit. So every morning, you know, I, I'll wake up, I'll do, uh, one hour or or so of 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 mobility or or exercise whatever, but it's not because 
I need it to mentally prepare for my trading, et cetera, et cetera. It's because I need it because it's good for me. I like doing it, et cetera, et cetera, right? Then yep. I may have specific times uh, I eat or specific diet regime, but it's not because it's important, essential to my trading. I'd be doing it no matter what. And it's not like I come in and I look at all the charts because I just I haven't been looking at them for you know eight hours, so I pretty know where they are. And if I if I get up in the middle of the night to to take care of any business, I'll check the charts, the, the, the spoos anyway. So yeah. <laughs> I'll know where they are pretty much all the time, right? So yeah. it's uh, I don't really prepare, you know. Fair enough, yeah. And so what? Because you often give two scenarios around uh, around key levels. Um, you know, a break of this is 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 going to signify sort of like a, a bullish sort of play or break of this, and, and the other way would be a bearish play. Do you? How do you decide which? I'm assuming you might uh, consider like taking positions off these key levels. How would you decide which way you wanted to go, or would you have? Would you? Would you have both? Yeah, uh, I, I I absolutely could not. Well, unless I have a position on, I couldn't care less what the market does. I just want to try and find a, a good asymmetric way to play that okay. or, or, or so I don't mind. The reason I do that is because I don't, nobody has a crystal ball and nobody knows anything. Nobody knows what's going to happen, right? So I, for me, it would be unconceivable to just have one scenario, mm -hmm. right? For me, it's always the market can do three things, right? The market could go up the market can go down or the market could go sideways. So those are three things I always have to consider. So around every le any level, it's not like, oh, it's going to break or it's going to fail. No, I don't know. I know that's a key level. It's either going to break, it's going to fail, or it's going to go sideways. So what's my plan for all three of those uh, scenarios, right? Yep. And, do, and what will I do? Well, and then based on the scenario, then I have to... Um, assess whether there's an interesting way of me trying to take advantage of that. You know, there could be something that rips through a key levels to the upside and it's super bullish. And I look at it like, down, this thing's going to rip, but there's no way I can see I can get a nice long on. Mm -hmm. I'll be very happy looking at it and going, yeah, I thought it was going to go up. It's going to rip higher, but I'm not going to participate because there's no structured way for me to, to participate, okay. right? But to me, it's always... I have no idea what's going to happen, even if I have a view. A price can always do three things. And the way I look at it is, you know, it can always go up, down, or sideways. And if it does this, then it's probably going to try and do that. If it does that, then it's probably going to do, you know, if this, then that, if that, then this, et cetera. Always possible. And and try and take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, I think it's a very, like, really good way to, it's one of the key, way, key things, I think, for a lot of people, once they understand that, improves their outlook on, on any chart on any trade any, yeah any sure because the market is all you know another question a lot of people say is how would you have traded that right when i do the webinars and stuff mm. and i always say look i'm going to be I'm, I'm going to be very frank because this is a, a question where you could be very intellectually unpure about it right because when somebody asks you how would you have traded in hindsight everything's easy right so it's like in hindsight, everything can be traded because there's always a way and there's yeah. always a chart moving. There's always something to do. The question you should have is, or at least the way I approach it, I don't know how anybody else wants to, but the way I do it is 
I have, I know that price can do a certain number of things. And I know that there is certain ways I like to express trades, right? Uh, so that means I constantly look at the charts. I look at the key levels. And if the market sets up one of the ways, one of the, let's call it strategies I trade, I execute. So I'm. it's not like I have to prepare for the day psychologically. I, I, I know, you know, the homework's done before the market's open, right? Once yeah. you have strategies or strategies you trade, I'm just, um, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're just an implementation specialist. You know, it's kind of like in the company, you know, you have people who yeah. draft up strategies, et cetera. And then there's guy in the factory that just presses the button, right? And and I'm just there. I know what I what, what what I'm looking for. I know the key levels I'm interested in. And those levels will change throughout the day because the market moves. And if something sets up the in line or sets up so that I can apply one of the different strategies I trade, then I hit it. Right. If not, I don't. So there's not that much preparation mm -hmm. I can do. Now, if I were trading part time, then it'd be different. Right. Because you probably want to whenever you get a chance, you look at your levels, you may mark up your charts, et cetera. But since I'm in front of it all the time, pretty much, I'm just executing. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, quite a common one that people ask, but it's interesting to know, how, how do you approach uh, sort of risk reward when trading? Is there a set sort of level you sort of go for? Um, and you're talking about, you know, sometimes you wouldn't even enter because there's not a logical play here, this sort of thing. Yeah, it does. Make, well, to me, the everybody likes to talk about, you know, risk reward and stuff like that. To me, um, risk reward, even in your journal, etc., means absolutely nothing unless you can attach that to a probabilistic outcome or a win rate based on journaling your, your, your strategies, right? Because as I said before, you, you could make money trading uh, something where you risk three, you risk one to make three and you don't have to be right very often, right? Mm -hmm. But you could also be uh, profitable um, trading something where you risk more than you make but you're right 99% of the time. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's it's that my approach is, is always what is the, and because I trade very um, repeatable strategies, right? Uh, my, 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 my process is not only what is my risk reward is, what is my risk reward? relative to the context, which is relative to what I think or what history of my performance in these kind of plays tells me the probability of me uh, being able to get break even or better on the traders. Yep. Right. So it's not only I'm more than happy to, to risk uh, one to make 10, but I'm also happy to risk two to make one. It just depends on the context and the strategy and what's happening. Mm -hmm. And is there, is there ever a scenario where you consider adding to sort of a, a winning trade, compounding on top of it, if it's success? I'll rarely add to winners unless it's something very specific. So mm -hmm. I'd say as a standard rule, I, I get my position on where I want to get my position on, and then I'm managing out of that position. The only 
thing could be, for example, if I'm uh, if I'm long yes here, and uh, Trump comes out saying we're reopening the economy tomorrow, and I'm going to give everybody twenty grand just for for funsies. I close my eyes, I'm getting long, right? Yeah. I'm adding a little bit, but that will be like one percent of the time. Mm-hmm. It's very rare. Or like you know, you're in a position and and you know Draghi comes out and says something. Whatever, there's something like which is just kind of like once a year. Uh, but if not, I, I I don't add to my positions usually. Again, there's nothing wrong. You know, there's a lot of people who are very successful with that and people that press trades, but it's rare for me. And in terms of like managing yourself out of position, do you do things such as um, moving to break even, stop to break even? at certain points and do you come out of trades um like half out at certain key levels or i mean yeah well i think if you're saying you you have to be able to manage that position i think as you say most of people listening trade futures and stuff you know i'd urge them you know especially if there's small smaller account sizes you know you can't trade a one lot because you just got no flexibility right it's much better off trying to trade the micros now because you need flexibility. So I will always manage out of a position. I, I will not, very rarely trade all in, all out, right? Unless it's a very short-term tactical trade because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of stop to break even, but um, I'll manage out. I like to lock in, uh, I, I like to lock in my, uh, uh, my stop, right? So to give you an example, I don't like the guy saying, okay, when prices moved a little bit in my favor or something, I'm going to move stop to break even, right? Because then your stop is no longer a logical stop, right? Because your stop, I presume, was behind a level you thought you would be wrong on the trade, mm-hmm. right? So then it's it's a logical stop. If you move your stop to break even, market, nobody cares about when you pulled the trigger. That's just your level. That's almost presumptuous or you know, it's just doesn't make any sense. Why, why, why would that stop make sense there? Just because you want to lock some in? Well, then I'd much rather uh, take some of my position off, leave my stop where it was because I assume yeah, yeah, that's where, you see what I mean? Yeah. So the, 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 the stop to break even, I prefer to, I prefer to do that by locking in my stop by, by scaling out of the position because uh, it's like, I, like those, arbitrary trails or stuff like that for me it always has to be behind a a key support or resistance Mm -hmm. level it has to make sense so but yeah yeah i'll very rarely be unless it's a tactical trade um i'll not be all in all out i'll manage out of position and when you say tactical trading um is that you mean what, what what do you mean by that a lot of people ask me this but tactical trading for me is really a reference to um, more. I used to say shorter term trade, but it's not, that's not really it because I've had to think about it more. That's also why I like doing the webinars because people force you to articulate your thinking. For me, the tactical trade means a trade which does not check the boxes in terms of it's not a pure setup I would take. Right. So, for example, just to let me say uh, one setup I may have is I want to trade a negative daily close at a 50 back. 
right? That's a very black or white trigger. Now, let's say price uh, just fails ahead of that and you get a news headline or it fails ahead of that. And so it, it then I might get on the trade. And for me, it's tactical in the sense that it's not a mechanical trigger because <clears throat> most of what I do is, is mechanical trigger. Mm -hmm. But it's a setup that falls in line with what I'm looking to trade, but doesn't give me a pure trigger. That's what I call okay. uh, um, a, tech, a tactical trade most of the time. Then it could also be like something like, let's say, um, equities are bid all day and you've got uh, yen and and gold, which are telling me mm, something's not that not that interesting, right? And you've got Swissy that's kind of hovering in there, and then all of a sudden you see that every chart on the screen is is moving together except for one, right? And there, you know, I might decide, okay, either there's a reason, or that's just a little bit late because the move's just too strong. It's going to catch up, right? And there, so therefore, I might use that to play catch up on a broader theme, but I need to see everything really moving in sync. And that would okay. be tactical, right? Yep. And you mentioned recently um, you have to trade the time frame of your view. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain that in a bit more detail? I think that's something like, I can't remember if it's Paul Tudor Jones or Druckenmiller used to always say. And, you know, it's kind of like, Going back, I'm going to get hate for this, but, you know, all the Perma Bears on, on Twitter, right? Since 2008, 2009, their fundamental view is that the Fed is, um, is, uh, is destroying everything. It's going to be a mess. Everything is going to crumble, etc. right? And they've been trading that short every single day. And that doesn't make sense, Right. It's the same thing as, for example, when we were trading towards those highs and it was clear that the I had this discussion with a lot of guys, basically that that situation in China was horrible. Situation in Italy was starting to get it was obvious, really, to, to, to anybody paying attention that this was going to be bigger and the market was going to have to pay attention to it. Right. And you can and you can you know, there are a gazillion uh guys, you know, that that had that thought, but for the, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight days where the ES was pressing that 3,400, they kept on shorting and getting stopped out because they shorted with a two-point stop, mm -hmm. right? So their view is, shit, world's falling apart, coronavirus, whatever, it's going to come home to roost in the U.S., and they're trading a tick chart or trying to trade with a super tight stop on the daily time frame. And, and they get angry because well, if your point, if your if your view is that this has to happen, you have to understand that it's it's a longer term view. It's something that has to come. You don't know. So your 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 trading, your the construction of your trade has to be very very different to than if you were trading it intraday. And mm -hmm. what a lot of people do is they have some kind of bias or some kind of. Uh, a mostly fundamental view, and then they're trading it off a one-minute chart or a one-hour chart. And it's the same uh, thing. If you've got a, 
and it works the other way around. You have to match, you know, both your uh, your your trade entry, your stop, your take profit, whatever. It has to match the 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 time horizon of your thesis or of your trade. You can't, you know. Um, and I think a lot of damage to that is probably done from all these trading books or stuff that yeah. always say, look at it on one, and then you drill down to the smallest time frame to get the possible, the mm. best possible entry, right? And all things been considered, again, I'm probably going to get some pushback on that. Your entry price is the least important factor of your trade, mm -hmm. right? The actual location, the actual price you get, unless you're talking about, you know, your some, your market maker, micro scalping, something, I don't know, whatever. But 99% of the time, your price is the least important factor of your trade, right? And people focus so much on, on uh, that specific price, this tightest stop possible. It's, you know, you can't, you know, you, you have to look at things properly, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and... Just a little bit on on sort of psychology. Uh, just got a few questions. Um, you talk very often about trying to ensure you form unbiased opinions. Do you have any tips to help individuals nurture that? Um, create your positive ecosystem. So purge your Twitter follow list and create your. <laughs> you know, as a trader, you have the luxury and it's a blasphemy it's a disgrace it's disrespectful to yourself to not take advantage of the extreme luxury and privilege you have that you can create your own positive ecosystem right i've talked about this at length before so i'm not going to go into a lot of detail but basically it means in life at work with family you're forced people are forced upon you right people relationships stuff when you're trading for yourself or etc Nothing's forced above you. It's just it's just you, and you decide who you speak to every day, who you listen to, who you, whatever. So take, don't waste that. Create your own positive ecosystem. So if anything that you're listening to, or whether it's a podcast, CNBC, or Twitter feed, or Squawk, is having a, po a negative influence on you, you know, get rid of that. Only have positive influences. Right. That's the first step. And second of all, remember that. Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows anything. The market doesn't know, owe you anything. And uh, even look at it, you know, look at the smartest guys in the room, you know, long-term capital management, whatever, are not the best traders. So trading is not about being smart. It's not about understanding fundamentals. It's not, it's, it's, it's about, you know, being able to constantly implement a set of rules or guidelines which you have uh, you have defined right and do that in an in, in an excruciatingly boring and repeatable fashion day in day out um, but I think the best way to, to filter out the bias is first of all don't listen to CNBC I, I yeah. don't even on mute I don't understand why anybody would want to listen to that crap but anyway and um, I hope you guys are not sponsored by CNBC. No. <laughs> okay, that's good. So don't listen to to that to that crap. Don't listen to the talking heads. And if you're on Twitter or the blogs or the stuff you read, you know, filter only mm -hmm. only let stuff that's going to help you grow as a trader or or mentally. Don't let stuff distract you. And and probably the other thing for a lot of junior traders or newer traders is 
Remember, this is not a game. I know the broker platforms are nice and shiny and, and, and they do a great job of making all the flashy colors and they're really cool and we all like them. And I know you just have to click, but it's not a game, right? It's, it's, it's a serious business. Money is at line. You know, as I say, people spend like weeks deciding what microwave oven they have to buy or they spend, you know, they're all, what phone should I get? What color is my new iPhone? Which plan should I get? You know, they months to decide. And then they'll blow a grand on an NFP just because they flipped a coin or, or they heard somebody on Twitter say short. Yeah. So it's not a freaking game, right? This is extremely serious. And if anybody around you does not contribute to you taking this extremely seriously, get rid of them, purge them from your life, purge them from your Twitter feed, purge them, purge them, purge them. It is serious. It's not a game. And most people just make it harder than it is, than it should be, simply because of the choices they make and, and the company they keep. Mm -hmm. That's just sad, but that's the way it is. And the other question I have for on the sort of psychology front was, do you have any tips for individuals um, on how to avoid getting influenced too heavily by having a string of losing trades? Or because it's inevitable, you know, like, as you talked about, you don't have to win all the time, but psychologically it can affect you. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Especially when you're learning. Think about what I always say is think about it. Any trade you lose. Well, of course, you can do the maths and see the, the, the probability of you having X amount of, of, of losing trades. But think about it. Every trade you take, at least the way I think about it, is just one out of the next 10,000 trades I'm going to take. So I couldn't care less, right? It's just one out of the next. that you, If you're punting here or there try, or trying to trade off a mobile phone while you're writing, I don't doing what. You know, but if you're in front of your computer and you're doing this properly and you, you plan to make a living or make a career or do this long term, every trade is just one out of the next 10,000 trades you're going to take. So who cares, right? It's just one trade. So um, as strange... As it might seem, that's the that's the um, that's the easiest way I would um, I would look at it, right? And really, if you think about it, the only reason why a string of losing trades apart would influence you is unless if you're super emotional, and then you're probably not cut out to be a trader, so just do something else. But it's either because Deep down, even though you don't realize, but your your psyche in, inside of you, you know that you don't know what you're doing, mm -hmm. number one. Or number two, you're trading too big. So ask yourself, if you're getting upset, too worried about a string of positive trades, first of all, think about it. Okay, no sweat. It's just one of the next 10,000 trades I'm going to take. Who cares? Okay. If that still doesn't work, then default and go, well, what is it? Do I really know what I'm doing? Or am I a little bit kind of like shooting from the hip? Or number two, is it a combination of that and I'm trading too big? Because honestly speaking, oh God, I hate saying that, but anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> if, if you're if you're trading, just the, the most extreme example, if you're trading one-to-one, -one, if you're not trading with any leverage, as I said, you know, you would really have to try hard to blow an account. It's pretty, it's, 
even the worst trader could probably not do that, right? Just the standard laws of, of chance, you probably couldn't do that. So the, the, the only, it's either because you don't know what you're doing and, or, and you're uh, trading too big, or probably you have unrealistic expectations. So again, you, you don't know what you're doing because you don't have realistic expectations. You expect to be able to make X amount of return, which is unrealistic, or you expect to be able to win every single trade, which is unrealistic, mm -hmm. right? So in the essence, I think is, first of all, try and look at it as if it's one of the next 10,000 trades you're going to take. But really, if that doesn't work, it's probably a combination of the fact that you really don't know what you're doing and consequences of that, not realistic expectations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or you're just trading too big. Yep. Thanks, 50. Just to finish, we have this uh, quick fire round, basically. Uh, just a few quick questions. Not going to... Um... Just like whatever comes to your head is, is the main things to, to answer it without going into too much detail. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to roll through those now. Um, sure. So what, what is it about trading that interests you? That, that it's, the, it's the hardest and most interesting puzzle in the world and that it's just you on you, right? Yeah. It's all on you. It's all on you. It's all on you. It's, it's, a, it's the most interesting and hardest thing you're ever going to have to do and it's all on you that's what that's the beauty of it number two um how do you wind down after a day's trading if you do any winding down or you probably don't need to but how do you sort of do you do anything to sort of relax calm down um no nothing specific no no okay. i the only thing which would be kind of winding no, 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 I don't really wind down. Okay. Um, number three is top three mistakes investors or traders make. You've touched on one of them already. <laughs> uh, well, number one, I'd say always is trade too big. That's just trade too big. Second of all, in line with what I just said, unrealistic expectations over confidence, right? Not knowing what they're doing. And number three is they have a bias. They, okay. they, something has to happen. The next one is where or who do you go for, to for market insight? Twitter. Twitter. And there any specific people on Twitter? I, I'm very, um, I work hard on my feed. So yep. I'll switch up things a lot. I don't follow that many people. I, I used to follow okay, okay. a gazillion people. Then I unfollowed everybody. Everybody got mad at me. But <laughs> it, it's my job, right? I need, yeah, yeah. I need so I, I, But again, everybody's Twitter feed should be different because you might follow somebody because it's a fade. You might follow somebody because it's interesting. You might follow somebody because you like the, the cat pictures they post, whatever, right? So you, you have to work hard and constructing a good ecosystem for you but for news it's for me i think it's it's the the, the main news guys right so delta one um you know you can check the, the the usual suspects yep okay uh next is top tip for your younger self top tip for your younger self for my younger self trade smaller trade smaller <laughs> um Next is, have you got a favorite charting software? You, you don't have, if you prefer not to say, there's no, no worries with that. Actually, no, I, mean, I, I think if you're, if you're a, 
it depends what you're doing, but I think if you're just like a private retail trader, um, trading view is pretty darn good for for the price considering it's free, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't have any affiliation with them, so and it's free, so <laughs> unless you want to get a paid plan, but yeah. for for I mean, most brokers have decent charting package, but if it's not a broker, trading view I think is pretty unbeatable, especially since it's free. Yep. Next is top tip to keep calm in stressful situations the only reason you should be stressed and i assume it's trading right mm -hmm. the only reason you should be stressed is if you're trading too big yeah so the top <laughs> tip is trade smaller <laughs> that's, that's good. You, you can draw these good. these diagrams right if this you know all, all the problems yeah, yeah. of trade and 99% of the time the arrow would go back to trade smaller <laughs> but nobody um, wants to hear that right yeah 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 of course uh, and the final final one was Bitcoin, yes or no? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Well, that's that's the end of the quick fire round. Um, yeah. I wanted to thank you a lot uh, for your time, basically, fifty, and, and it's been as always very very insightful. My pleasure. Um, I know if if uh, if anyone on this on the podcast is looking for regular insight on the markets, then uh, from fifty, then you can join him at fiftypipsfx.com. I believe that's right. Yep. Yeah. Or uh, where you can sign up to his blog um, or even his premium content for those who are looking for a bit more. Uh, 50 is also available on Twitter at 50pips with uh, regular live commentary on the markets as well. Is there anything else you'd like to, to say to the audience, 50? Well, I mean, thank you for having me on. It's always fun. If uh, Always happy to do these, and especially if uh, if it can help anybody out, then it's, it's a good way of paying things. Um, paying it forwards yeah. and um, stay safe, stay home, everybody. And a big shout out to all the real heroes that are doing uh, serious work, right? Which are taking care of people in hospitals or making sure we get our food delivered and stuff. Uh, all the people who are really working hard and and yeah. uh, and the true heroes in, in these trying times. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Brilliant. Thanks, 50. Thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick note before we sign off. If you're looking for an easily digestible daily update on the markets, this might be of interest to you. Opto Updates is our short newsletter sent every day during a trading week, giving you a bulleted list of the top seven stories from the global stock markets. We've done the hard work for you, highlighting relevant opportunities and trends. And in addition, we'll also keep you notified of any new podcasts, stock reports, or events from the Opto world. If you're interested, sign up using the link in the show notes. Until next time.